You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back into another edition of NFL University. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Got plenty to get you caught up on around the NFL today. Training camps in full force. It is preseason week. Uh, Every team across the NFL is going to be playing in a preseason game this week in some form or fashion. So, Plenty of things to talk about. Let me welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. KP, fresh off of San Francisco 49ers training camp. How was it? What what uh, what do we need to know about Trey Lance? He is probably going to be good because there are a lot of good players on the roster, and he has a really good play caller, and he's not going to be asked to do a lot because their defense is better than most teams in the league. So, um, I mean, all you hear about is his completion percentage and his attempts out of practice. And nobody ever talks about like the drops or how, you know, an incomplete pass or good misses. So it was, it was good to see it for my, with my own eyes, but everything was about expected. That's good. A national televised game, right? First one Friday night NFL <laughs> network against who? Green Bay Packers, baby. Aaron Rodgers revenge game or Jordan Love. Oh, yeah, revenge it's going to be game. Jordan Love. There's no yeah. way. They have the whole list of players who are, aren't going to play in that game. And it is long. And one of the names is Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, it's going to be the Jordan Love show. Uh, we'll see what happens after that. Green Bay's going into the game with two quarterbacks. So, if one of them gets dinged up, I mean, the other one's going to have to play full time. It's Love and Danny Etling. So, will you we'll, rewatch we'll this game? Yes, I will rewatch the game because I'll probably chart it because I'm a nerd and I cover the uh, Packers team site. So, yeah, that's what I do, baby. I just remember back to Patrick Mahomes' first training camp as the starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. And his first few practices, everybody was freaking out because he was throwing like five interceptions a day in practice. And everybody was going insane. Like, they traded away Alex Smith. This guy's going to be terrible. He can't even make it through a practice without throwing an interception. Uh Turns out practice interceptions don't really mean anything. Uh, they're practice reps for a reason. You're just seeing what you can get away with at this level. And Patrick Mahomes has turned out pretty well. So it is, it is like a tricky thing when, yeah, we, we give the leash to guys like Rodgers and Mahomes, right? For like, hey, they're just trying stuff out in practice. But then you see, you know, pick a name, a Sam example. Darnold. Sam Darnold just hitting a linebacker right between the numbers. And you're like, <laughs> it's happening again. No one ever says Sam Darnold's just trying things out. Well, yeah, because we just assume he's bad. Like we just assume it's just because he's bad. Like that that thing that happens is by accident. It's that, that that clip that I think has been making the rounds the last couple of years of Daniel Jones, where he just hits the linebacker right in the numbers. <laughs> like yeah. he just just saw the helmet and threw it to him, and it was a linebacker. Um, yeah, th- those guys don't get the benefit of the doubt. I don't think, but. We've got plenty to discuss on today's show, so let's get into it. And I want to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Mike Tomlin was asked this week how he feels like the quarterback battle is going, and he said that Mitch Trubisky is their number one quarterback right now, but that Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett are making it a little tough. Now, that's kind of contradictory to reports that were coming out last week from the beat that were saying Kenny Pickett is the clear number three quarterback, and you can make the case for Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky being the starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it just seems like Mitch is the starter, but they don't really know what they have in any of their quarterbacks. And Kenny Pickett's probably a long ways away from being the starter for the Steelers. I mean, whenever you see last week, anyway, whenever I saw some Pickett highlights, they were not good. And they usually end up in the other teams or the defense's lap. So um, not sure what they're expecting from Pickett. Probably not a lot. I know they took him early, but 
I don't imagine they they're planning on using him uh, this year. The fact that we're talking about Trubisky right now is kind of crazy. Like just because he didn't play football last year, and we're just going to assume that he's this different version because he spent a year in Buffalo. Like ignoring everything he did in Chicago, um, that feels like a lot. And I know. You know, Seals are a good organization and they have good wide receivers and, you know, they're probably going to put him in a good position. But still, uh, like, what are the expectations for Trubisky? Like, realistically, what are they hoping to get out of Mitchell this year? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, right? Like, I think I've, I've always said that about Trubisky is like, if you run him, your offense is a whole lot better than if you have, you know, a D minus quarterback just playing, you know, drop back passer. Right. Um, Chicago did that every once in a while. They probably didn't lean into it enough. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm surprised Trubisky is the leader. I don't know if I'm surprised Kenny Pickett is QB3. Cause like I always kind of liked Trubisky a little bit more than I think the general consensus. And I just was not a Pickett guy coming out. Like I, when you watch him on all 22, you thought you went into the games thinking, okay, this guy's going to be a high-level processor with the numbers that he's putting up at, at Pittsburgh. And then you watch it, and it's like he has a bunch of good wide receivers. And yeah. one of them got a record-breaking NIL deal to transfer to USC. Um, his wide receivers coach uh, got promoted to the University of Texas. I believe he's the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach now. Like everyone in college football took notice how good the wide receivers were at Pitt. This is a bad sign, though, right? I mean, I remember after the draft we were talking how many games can Trubisky – you know, handle the load before it goes to uh, Kenny Pickett. And we were like, what, like four games, six games. And if Pickett's QB three, I don't know if they pulled the plug on Trubisky. Cause like the staffs had Mason Rudolph for what, three years in the past. Yeah. And they didn't think that he was the guy. So I don't know if they're going to give him a crack. Like, is the juice really worth the squeeze? Like to get Pickett these, these reps as a rookie. We always, we always have these high expectations for rookies, but we forget. Like, look at the guys last year. I mean, they played relatively well considering their situations, but like there are a lot of head scratching plays that rookies are going to have, and that's just inevitable. And for whatever reason, we always ignore that. And he's an older quarterback. He's older than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has been in the league for years. The the best case scenario I think for the Steelers this season is that kind of like what justice was saying is they just find a way to try to put Mitch in the best situations and hope they get a a decent season out of him. The worst case scenario I think is not Kenny Pickett starting. It's saying Mason Rudolph is the best quarterback on our roster. Like admitting that when we know what Mason Rudolph is and we've seen plenty of Mason Rudolph be bad at quarterbacking in the NFL. Like that's a bad scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If they bring in Mitch draft the quarterback and they're like okay we're gonna roll into the season with mason rudolph is the number one quarterback i think they just try to like mitigate risk right like that's your number one goal at the quarterback position if you're the steelers you got all these wide receivers you just paid your guys you just drafted uh george pickens who looks like a monster out there Najee harris like as a running back talent is there you know who knows about the offensive line he's running behind but then the defense is good like you just need your quarterback to just get on first base, right? Like you just need your quarterback to get on first base and maybe you're in the wild card race or something like that. I don't think anyone has higher expectations than that for the Steelers this year, but Tomlin, what Tomlin's never gone below 500, right? Mm-hmm. And it would be a hell of a way to do it. Yeah. It's, you just have to figure it out. Like you just have to figure out what you can get in Mitch because you do have talent on the roster. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't a dumpster fire. They, they've got plenty of talent. So I think they can be competitive and win games. And I, I'm curious to see what they do with the offense because they can be more creative with Mitch than they were with Ben the last couple of seasons. So we'll, we'll see what they have there. But uh, early report er, early reports on their quarterback battle aren't uh, super stellar for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, another quarterback battle, the Carolina Panthers. It sounds like Baker Mayfield, based on everything coming out of training camp, is expected to be their starter in week one. He's been competing with Sam Darnold, um, but it just sounds like Baker Mayfield is probably the best quarterback on the roster. And that's not great, but I, I think it's kind of what we expected. Like when they traded for him and based on what we've seen from Sam Darnold, like Baker Mayfield probably is the best quarterback on that roster. And the Panthers just aren't set up to be that good of a team and find that much success this season anyway. Yeah, they don't make a move for Baker if they don't think he's an upgrade over Darnold. So this isn't really news. Um, 
just the way that they're constructed, the way that they run their offense, it seems like Baker just plays more on time, and that's not what Darnold does. So they can, you know, create plays on structure, like within the structure of the play. So I want to see him do it, though. I want to see him do it when the bullets are flying, I guess is the easy way to say it. Like, sure, he's lighting up the Panthers' defense and a defense that I'm sure, you know, he's seen for, what, a, a, over a week now every day in practice. So that's not really saying anything. And also – him beating out Sam Darnold, that's not really like a feather in the cap. But again, that's to be expected. Uh, let's see what Baker looks like, you know, week three, week four, um, when the Panthers are down 10 to nothing, for example. I feel, like, I feel like that's a much better way to judge Baker. Yeah, I, I want to see Baker when the bullets are live, and I want to see if he still trusts his process because that's the big thing that came out of Cleveland, right? It's just that, you know, down the stretch of the season – it seemed like he just broke every rule that the offense had. He no longer trusted what he was saying. He was just going out there and winging it, you know, week to week. And maybe that was just because of the injury. Maybe that's just like his confidence is shot. Right. And if his confidence is shot, that's something we'll be able to tell pretty early on in the preseason and in the season. So I, I'm not too surprised or I don't even think it's really that notable that that he beat out Darnold, right? Like Darnold isn't a good quarterback. I feel like we've seen enough of Darnold at this point that we can uh, firmly say that. But I, I want to see a little bit more out of Baker before we even think of him starting the entire season, frankly. Because if he does what he did at the end of last year, I don't I don't know if he's going to stick around in that game for long. It seems yeah. everyone's antsy, right? Like this is a hot seat for Matt Rule. Has to be. It has to be. It has yeah. to be. How are we not there yet already? <laughs> yeah, it's like his absolutely. fourth quarterback in three years. Like, come on, crazy leash. I mean, is is Baker is a fully healthy Baker? Like what we've seen from him at the NFL level when the the parts are working around him and he can throw the football and he's his arm isn't hanging on by a thread. Like, is he the best quarterback they've had there in the last couple of years? Like, or is it Teddy? Like, it's it's one of those two, right? Has to be. Has to be. I, the whole thing is like conversation. By the way, that's <laughs> that's my big thing with Baker. Is like, was it the injury or was it a confidence issue? Because people in Cleveland seem to think that it was a confidence issue. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes there in Carolina. Yeah, not a shocker that Baker Mayfield is probably going to be the starter for them. Uh, you know, there was some rumors flying around. I don't know how valid they were about the Panthers looking to move Darnold, but nobody's willing to pay his fifth year option, which they picked up for no reason. Uh, so they're going to be stuck with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, but Baker Mayfield definitely should probably be the starter, at least in week one for the Panthers. Uh, Matthew Stafford did finally take part in team drills for the first time this week at Rams camp. Obviously this is huge because he has not been throwing the football <laughs> and we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but I feel like it's been really underrated that Matthew Stafford has just spent an entire off season and we're midway through August. And this is the first time or midway through training camps. And this is the first time he's actually throwing the football for the defending Super Bowl champions. Like this has to be a much bigger story than it is. And I know you know, they are the Super Bowl champions and you kind of push it off. Well, it's the preseason. They're going to take it easy. This has been going on pretty much all year. It feels like all, all of 2022, I should say. So um, he's getting up there in age. And to think that this is going to blow over or to think that this is just going to all of a sudden get better just with rest. Like, I don't know, man. That feels like that just doesn't seem like that's the case here. And also, he uh, hasn't gotten hit yet. Like, right. He's going to start getting hit soon. It's a, it's it's a lot. I mean, I just keep remembering the two luck injuries, right? The Flacco injury and then the Cam Newton injury. Every single time it ends up dragging out into August. These guys never they either don't return to the field nearly as quickly as as we think or they return to the field by week 1 and they don't end up looking right, right? And it's just them pushing through an injury. And that's what really worries me about the Stafford stuff because if you're not right in August, man, people are going to start hitting you in September. Like, how is this going to get any better at all? Going after that shoulder, too. Like, not just hitting you. Like, they are going to go after that specific injury. And, like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. It's also, like, seems like a weird injury, too. Like, you heard the reports um, from, from Rams camp, and they're talking about, like, we had to, like, consult specialists with, like, baseball because this isn't, like, even really a football injury that, like, we're used to dealing with. We have to talk to baseball people about it. Like, I don't know, man, red red flags. I, I don't know anything about being a doctor or being being a, being a trainer for a team, but 
bad vibes, terrible vibes. It has really been downplayed and, and it's kind of shocking. And maybe it's because it's Matthew Stafford and it's not like, you know, if this was Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or something, it would be a much bigger deal. And it's Stafford who even coming off of a Super Bowl win, it just isn't quite as notable, but they also lost Andrew Whitworth, who was their best offensive lineman. So if you're trying to keep Stafford from taking hits, their offensive line got worse this offseason. It's uh, I'm just I, I'm surprised that we, we aren't talking about it more and that they, they've really been so hush about everything. And, you know, there's optimism and excitement around that football team. But we've seen these things with older quarterbacks in the past where once once they lose that that power in in their throwing motion it can fall off a cliff fast and Dude, uh, maybe maybe we're not job matt palmer yeah. carson like, yeah. it, it, like it doesn't look good yeah Roethlisberger ben yeah yeah we we might not be there with matthew safford it might not be that dire maybe maybe we're overestimating it but but it seems like this should be a much bigger deal than than it has been so far this offseason uh moving on to the green bay packers I know uh, Justice Mosqueda is very excited to talk about Aaron Rodgers and his ayahuasca trips and, you know, attributing all of that and those experiences that he's gained over the last couple of seasons to his back-to-back MVP MVP uh, wins. Like, what, what do we need to know about Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers training camp and his ayahuasca experiences? Matt? Uh, Matt LaFleur was asked about it and it looked like he pooped himself on, on, <laughs> behind the podium. Like he was like, uh, I haven't really thought about it. I haven't, I haven't thought about it at all. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's, it's, it's just the Aaron Rodgers experience. I don't think it like actually brings, you know, distractions to the team or anything like that, but sure seems like he lives on another planet, man. Like just, Say you like hallucinogenics and and keep it moving on. Like I don't understand why it has to be wrapped around in like I'm also the most enlightened person in the world. By the way, like that doesn't make any sense to me. What do you think his teammates like? How do his teammates feel about this? What are his teammates' reactions? If I'm Romeo Dobbs, who apparently is like when I seen him throw that ball, right? It's the Adrian (laughs) Peterson clip. Just when I seen him throw that ball, like doesn't matter. He's Aaron Rodgers, back to back MVP. Goodness, man. Yeah, it is just he, he's been doing this, you know, last season and this off season where he, he's putting himself out there a little bit more, trying to explain to people about his life and the experiences and why he thinks the way that he thinks. And I mean, I don't need to know anything else about Aaron Rodgers, but man, that guy's been incredible on the football field the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I, I feel like the. Aaron Rodgers personality podcast. I feel like we've overdone it at this point. Like, what, what more could we need to know? Is, is there anything deeper than the ayahuasca? Because now, now we might have hit peak Rodgers. Can we stop giving him a microphone? Like, do we have to give him a platform? He's do we be have all, to? Hey, McAfee every Tuesday this season. Oh, man. Yeah. It's only going to get worse. You're well aware of that, right? Yeah. Book We're club, just baby. scratching the surface. And yeah, every Tuesday. And yeah, he's going to, he he's deep diving, right? Now. Something will be new, like every Tuesday. Like he's yeah. going to learn something new because that's what you do your first year in college. He <laughs> does say some pretty cool football stuff every once in a while. Like people don't usually ask him football questions, but when they do, like he broke down like Todd Bowles' like entire defense. Right? Oh, I'm With sure like he's a savant. PMT yeah. guys, and like it was great. And I was like, yeah, this is awesome. It's too bad you <laughs> spend so much time talking about non-football things that I don't really. Let's care stop about. asking him about his personal life, and for the love of God, ask him football questions. Like the opposite of every other quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, if only. Is there is there anything? that we actually need to know about Packers camp, like anything that we should be discussing other than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the tackles are Dobbs hype. Yeah. I believe the Romeo Dobbs hype, but he's going to be like wide receiver four probably on this team. You would think he's an all pro that the way he's being talked about. Oh, we put him in the hall of fame two weeks ago. (laughs) It's it's been, it's been absurd, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard on the outside with Christian Watson playing on the outside. Then Lazard kicks inside sometimes probably, uh, won't play outside on third downs. I think Dobbs is going to play inside and outside, and then Cobb will play third downs at the slot. Like that's how the wide receiver role is going to work out. Um, 
running back wise, I know people, you know, just from a fantasy perspective, I broke it down uh, their family night practice, which is like the only time we're going to get like documented video on like what their ones situation looks like. Cause they're not going to play anyone in practice. Cause they do the Los Angeles Rams stuff. Um, AJ Dillon and uh, Aaron Jones basically split reps right down the middle. Um, and no other back got a look with the ones offensively. The biggest worry is still, you know, the, the tackles, right? Like Bach and Ellen Jenkins are still on PUP. Bach got hurt in 2020. Like this is a pretty big deal at this point, right? Like he's still rehabbing from this defensively. I think they're going to be really good by all accounts. Um, some of it, I don't know how much I believe like Jaron Reed is just like kicking people's butts. And I'm like, is that, you know, he's doing well or the offensive line sucks, right? No, that's, like that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yep, yep. Played in Kansas City last year. He was not very good. Didn't do much. <laughs> Didn't do much in Kansas City last year. He's probably going to start at 3-4 defensive end uh, opposite of Dean Lowry, you know, next to Kenny Clark. But they, they have really shallow depth at, like, the edge position. Like, if Rashawn Gary goes down, I don't know how they're going to get after the quarterback. Like, if it's not Kenny Clark, I, don't, I legit don't know who's going to get six eight sacks on that team so i i would say defense pretty good tackles worrisome the rest pretty much as expected maybe rogers just needs to invite bakhtiari on an ayahuasca trip and see if that oh dude the cleansing powers will will get healthy i'll get yeah i'll get Bach, I'll buy him a round trip ticket to Peru right now. That's what solves this thing. Like I need, I need these guys back. I need the tackles back. Like they, they've been pretty, they've been pretty worried about this. Like, have you guys ever heard the name Jake Hansen? Because he might start at right guard for the Packers this year. Never heard of him. Um, if we're buying tickets, buy Rogers a one way ticket to Peru. No, sure, sure, Niners fan. Sure. <laughs> Uh, I want to take a look at the New England Patriots really quick. And the reports at the Patriots camp right now, and this is with Bill Belichick doing this weird thing where he won't name an offensive coordinator, but it's a collaboration of Joe Judge and Matt Patricia who don't have experience calling offensive plays. And Mac Jones has apparently just looked bad and confused, like, it's all the reports out of Patriots training camp are that their offense looks like a total disaster right now, and they have no idea what they're doing. And it just seems like a bold move by Bill Belichick to be like, ha- to have such little faith in offense and his longtime offensive coordinator, who's now the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, to just be like, oh, we don't even need him because I got the defense. Let's just put these guys there and we'll figure it out. And it seems like it is, it is not going well for the Patriots at all. Belichick's idea of upgrading the offense was signing Devontae Parker, drafting Tyquan Thornton in the second round, and spending a first-round pick on a player who Sean McVay, who won the Super Bowl, thought would be available the next time they picked in the 120s. That's how Bill Belichick uh, addressed the offense this year. That is and, – and, of course – like we're all just expecting that Mac Jones and just rookies in general take that year uh, – that jump from year one to year two. But I don't know that that's a fair assessment just based on – it's Mac Jones, and that's not to downgrade him at all, but like, how much better is he actually going to get? Um, it's – and then that, that's before we get into the, the names you just said, Matt, Patricia, and Joe Judge. Based on what they did at their last two stops, they're going to be in charge of not only calling plays but making sure uh, like Mac Jones is doing the right things, right? He's supposed to uh, put the offense – you know, just keep the offense ahead of schedule. I don't know, man. Poor, uh, poor Pats. Have you guys heard what offense they're running to? Wing T, hopefully. They're running the McVay offense. They're running like McVay, Shanahan, LaFleur stuff. Like, this is the third offense in three years under Belichick. Did they sign somebody from that tree? Like a lesser known name? No, Matt Patricia's running it. Ah. (laughs) I mean, they had Joe Judge. I know early in camp, they had Joe Judge calling plays for seven on seven, and they had Matt Patricia calling him for 11 on 11. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a weird transition. And you're going from, you went from one year of Tom Brady, the Tom Brady offense, right? Then you went to the Cam Newton offense. Then you went to like power I formation. We don't have to throw the ball to play the bills offense, right? This past year. And now you're going to, you know, this, uh, outside zone boot offense. And 
a lot of the conversation I've been seeing from from Pat's beat reporters and stuff because the offense is a massive talking point there. Like every day, it's just like they couldn't move the ball again. This is amazing, right? Like they're just not used to this at all. What they've been talking about is wondering if this is like an offensive line coaching issue because I guess the offensive line is playing really poorly, and it's like, is this just like what it looks like when? Belichick doesn't have Dante Skarnecchia, you know, probably at some point is going to be, a, you know, with the way the Hall of Fame is doing stuff with contributors and coaches and stuff like that. Like Dante Skarnecchia is probably going to go into the Hall of Fame as an offensive line coach. That's how important he was to the Patriots dynasty. And now he's not there. So, like, I wonder if that's part of the issue, but it's going to be weird, man, because this is a new look Patriots team almost completely. And with the way that that division has improved and their lack of like talent acquisition this off season. It feels like we can finally be like, this is a bill Belichick team. That's going to be bad. Like this is a team that's not going to be very good. And it, it feels also, like see, this, is year, this is year three after Brady, like yeah. takes three years. Right. But like, yeah. was this what you were building for? Is this, it feels like another rebuild is just starting. Is kind of what it feels like to me. If it wasn't for Urban Meyer last season, there's a strong case to be made that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge were the worst head coaches in the NFL over the last several years. Like, would not I, disagree. E- easily. I mean, all the Lions fans or all the Lions players basically celebrated when Patricia got fired, which is never a good sign. I don't think also, anyone he in the, on the other side of the ball. It. It's very weird that Patricia yeah. is just like an offensive coordinator now. Like, I understand the like he understands defense, so he understands what gives him problems, but. I don't know. Was he that good of a defensive coordinator? I'm not sure. Shanahan does that with his coaches. Like, he'll bring them in and make them learn defense for, like, two or three years, and then he'll bring them to the offensive side. But I don't think Matt Patricia was doing that the last But they're not doing that as coordinators. Like, Raheem Morris did that for a little bit, too, right? Like, Raheem was, like, coaching wide receivers or something like that, and then he moved back. Like, they're not making them coordinators year one. Yeah, it just seems like for the first time in a long time – there is just a little bit of disorganization and chaos going on right now in New England, and it's setting them up to, I think, just not be a very good football team this season. But we'll see how it plays out. Uh, let's take a quick timeout right here, and when we get back, we will get into uh, everything we need to know from 49ers camp as well as Bears linebacker Roquan Smith requesting a trade out of Chicago. That's coming up next on NFL University. <laughs> Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Uh, we've already mentioned KP was on the ground at Niners training camp over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Kyle Shanahan did say this week, if there's trade talks happening around quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, he has not heard of any of them. So either they're not keeping him in the loop or nobody is calling about Jimmy G, but... He's still technically on the 49ers roster, even if he's not practicing and participating with the team. So maybe he gets moved. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe we get into the season. They still have him. We, we don't really know what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo right now. Yeah, I think that they're just hoping, and that is not the way to go about it. So Jimmy was on the side working, um, just throwing, you know, working out. It's, it seems like the beat writers are trying to up his trade value. Like they will, after each practice that he did that, they will say, hey, here's a video come and get him essentially. And I think teams just know who he is right now. He's 30. Like there's not going to be a surprise with what you're getting in Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the hope was even after the, the shoulder surgery that there might be, you know, some underwhelming quarterback performances in training camp, or maybe somebody goes down and they, they need Jimmy, but that hasn't happened. And I don't know if that's going to happen. So uh, it's not surprising that there isn't this market for Jimmy Garoppolo because every time we see him or, or think about it, the last time you remember seeing him was the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game, and that did not go well. I just don't think anything's changed with the circumstances of like the quarterback market nationally, right? Like we keep talking about Deshaun Watson, what happens with Deshaun Watson, all that stuff. There hasn't been a decision made, you know, from the NFL side, right? So until that decision is made, they can't move forward with you know, a potential backup plan to Jacoby Brissett. I, I think they're just waiting on that. And then they're waiting on a quarterback injury. What else can they do? I mean, no one wants him right now. Carolina was the last domino. We talked about that when, when Baker got traded for it, like that was the last team. If Seattle feels like they're sitting pretty with Geno Smith and they seem to be okay with that. Like 
Who else is in the market for him? No one. Like you're hoping, like obviously you're not hoping, but if the Brown suspension changes, like if Deshaun Watson, I'm sure they are hoping. That's why they're holding on to him. They're like, right. something's gonna happen with Deshaun, or like we can get the uh, what was it a couple years ago, the Sam Bradford trade? Yeah, they were just wow. able to move him in the preseason. Like that's what they're hoping for. Just a long shot, though. I mean, why doesn't? I feel like Washington or, or somebody should, should pick up the phone with the reports about Carson Wentz in training camp, who apparently has been a total disaster. But shocked, uh, uh, yeah, uh, no, no one's shocked by that. Uh, Carson Wentz, selfish, selfish Wentz, uh, I guess it, we could call him. <laughs> uh, he's bad at football, but it's never his fault. Uh, it's always everybody else's fault. But Jimmy G might be a guy that. Uh, he's at least a, a better teammate, I think, than Carson Wentz. Like people like Jimmy Garoppolo, and I Big think time. that's that that's been part of the the issue uh, with San Francisco is like, oh, we don't we can't have him here because it could divide the locker room if Trey Lance struggles or whatever. Because guys like Jimmy G, but Do they got to move him. Him? If, if no injuries happen to quarterbacks because no one's going to end up playing, or uh, Watson, you know, is suspended for a short amount of time or it's dragged into the season, whatever they don't have an option to trade him away. Will they just cut him KP? Yeah. They just cut him when it gets to 53, his guaranteed money become or his money becomes guaranteed um, on the 1st of September. So like after the, after the cuts, so they're not going to have him. And that's why you keep hearing uh, Shannon say like, Hey, Oh, we closed the door. We did this. We did that. It's Trey's team. So um, he actually went on the I am athlete podcast, by the way, uh, Brandon Marshall and Pac-Man Jones were at 49ers camp last week. Pac-Man was just catching punts and Marshall was in between like, so we have, you know, you have to stand on the sidelines. You obviously can't go in the middle. Uh, Brandon Marshall was in the middle with the team, just interacting. Like they weren't doing anything. They were just there. And obviously they got Shanahan to talk afterwards, but, uh, he was talking about the salary cap and how that's a big reason or that is one of the driving reasons why they moved on from Jimmy. And, um, so uh, yeah, he's a goner. Yeah. So Brandon Marshall he's... played for uh, Kyle's dad, right? Mike. Yep. Yep. That's how he can get that pull. Should have thought of that, KP. Should have thought playing for Mike Shanahan. Right. How dare I? <laughs> so should at least have a conclusion to the Jimmy G saga in San Francisco here in the near future. Uh, the Chicago Bears uh, made headlines earlier this week because linebacker Roquan Smith publicly requested a trade from the team. Uh Apparently, new general manager Ryan Poles, uh, former Kansas City Chiefs executive, now general manager of the Chicago Bears. I'm not sure what is going on in Chicago. Like, I, I understand the hesitancy to give a, a linebacker market resetting contract to Roquan Smith. Like, I understand what they're doing there. It's just a matter of what are they doing to get better here in the near future because it feels like they're the worst team in football. They've got as strong a chance as any, I, in my opinion, headed into the season of having the number one overall pick next year. But then it's like, do you take a quarterback or are you saying Justin Fields isn't your franchise quarterback because you've done nothing to help Justin Fields this season. And now the Roquan Smith stuff, I, I guess I'm just questioning what the bears are doing because I, I don't really see what the end game is for them at any point. I think they're doing a great job of trying to drive just uh, Justin Fields out, Justin Fields away, just because <laughs> what are what are we doing? So the baseball trade line just happened and you see a bunch of trades where prospects are being traded for established players. There's always an argument that, hey, why would I trade this prospect for uh, this player? The point of sports and all professional sports is to get the established player, to get the Juan Sotos. And uh, Roquan Smith is an established player. He's also very good. He's also perfect for how the game is played today. You want that second-level defender who can fly around, who can guard man or, you know, essentially protect the seams and be able to guard not not slot so much slot receivers, but tight ends and running backs. And he does all that at a very high level. He's He's been healthy the last couple of years. That was kind of – um, kind of a little bit of issue one year I remember, but like I don't, I really don't have much of any issues with him with his game. He's a very good player in my mind. If I'm one of the AFC West teams that needs a linebacker, I am blowing up the Bears. I couldn't imagine like whether say, it's the Broncos, say Chargers, whether it's the Chargers. Like what? I mean, that's those are obvious teams, yeah. but um, what what are you doing? Like what is the point of this? Because he's he was a high pick. Um, he's performed well. Now you pay him. That's how this sport works. Do you know 
where they rank in 2023 cap space, KP? No, I, I can't imagine it's high though. There's there's nobody that's highly who's who's highly paid on the roster. No, 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 no. no. I I misunderstood what you thought high. Matt. They rank first in, in cap space. Yeah, eighty nine like, million dollars. You want to guess who what number the two contract is? Guess number two in terms of the numbers. So eighty nine point two is Chicago at number one. Guess the number for number two. Is it in the like sixties or seventies? Dude, it's forty eight points. Holy smoke, <laughs> dude! They have like double the amount of cap space as like any other team in the league. Who is their like, highest paid player? Like Eddie Jackson? That's what I'm saying. Like what, there, there can't be a big contract. Yeah, it's Robert Quinn. <laughs> it's Robert Quinn and Robert Eddie Quinn Jackson. Who also kind of wants out. They have right. three three players who will make a base salary over five million dollars next year. It'll be wow. Robert Quinn, Eddie Jackson, and Cody Whitehair. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, um, I saw Sports Info Solutions put out today Roquan Smith in terms of point points added, which is like their EPA metric, right? For pass coverage, number one in the league over the last two years. Like, this is a good linebacker. I'm not Very. saying that he's elite, right? Like, he's not peak Bobby Wagner or anything like that. But, like, if he wants to get paid, you're literally the Chicago Bears. Like, at some point, you're going to have to take these incremental steps forward. Um, you just have stuff like that. Their wide receivers are all banged up. I saw yesterday there was a snap out there with Justin Fields working with the ones with three wide receivers whose names, like, I didn't even know. Like, Nasimba Webster was getting snaps with the ones yesterday when David Moore went down. That's always a bad sign. That's terrible. He was working with the starters. That player who you just said, Nasimba Webster, was brought in last year in training camp by the 49ers to kind of be their return guy. He did not make it past, like, the first couple weeks. So, and this is a team who's been dying – for uh, that extra slot receiver guy. So, man. They have the whole weird thing with, like, Tevin Jenkins, too. He was drafted in the second round last year. Then he had a back injury that that they weren't aware of. And now it seems like he's ready to play again. But they're, like, some sort of beef between him and, and the front office. And he might get traded. Like, he could have probably been their number one offensive lineman. They desperately needed offensive line depth. Like, doesn't make it doesn't make much sense to me, man. Like I, I do not feel great about them taking steps forward this year. And this is coming after, you know, GM Ryan Poles was up there and said, We're gonna take the NFC North and we're not gonna give it back. Like, okay. It definitely sure. it definitely feels like a hard reset, but so were they just not committing to Justin Fields at all? Because I still have high hopes for Justin Fields. I still think Justin Fields could be a really good player. Yeah. And everything that they've done this offseason has actively made the roster worse. And they were already a bad football team last season. So I just don't understand it. It's I, I, I get wanting to get younger and get better through the draft and try to accumulate draft picks. So maybe that's what it is. It's like get the number one overall pick. We have Justin Fields. So let's just trade back and see how many draft assets we, we can accumulate and we'll have a bunch of money. But like you're you're bet you're betting on a lot of stuff that you can't predict there too, and you're just setting yourselves up to be awful. I, I just don't understand what Ryan Poles is doing exactly. Also, it sets precedent. You don't think these players are going to be looking in the locker room or looking around the locker room and saying, "If I perform like we've seen Roquan Smith or Robert Quinn perform, and they're not getting paid, why would they pay me?" Right. So you're almost. You're, it, this was the issue that Cleveland had back in the day, right? Do you guys remember that? Like before – I'm talking before Sashi Brown. I'm not talking in, you know, money ball stuff like that. People were using Cleveland as like a stepping stone. Like you play well in Cleveland, you get the hell out of Cleveland and you, you go play somewhere else. Like everyone but Joe Thomas did that. So I don't know, man. Just, again, bad bad vibes here in, in Chicago. Yeah. It's ugly in Chicago right now. I feel bad for Justin Fields because I still think he could be a really good player. Um, if if he found an organization that was actually trying to build around him, but it doesn't seem yeah, like that's Equinamius what St. Brown is starting for this team, like in, in the depth chart, in the snaps that he's actually getting on the field in camp. That's not a great sign. I mean, this is a team that had to trade for Ankeel Harry and was like, you might get playing time. Like, Their biggest free agent acquisition was Byron Pringle, and now he's hurt too. Yeah. Again, this is a team with a ton of cap space moving forward. Like, they're going to be one of the biggest spenders in 2023 free agency. But, like, 
How high is Roquan Smith going to rank in uh, free agency rankings if he hits the open market next year? I would assume top 10. Like, that's the guy you spend the cap space for. So why aren't you doing it right now? I don't, I don't get it. I don't know who's going to want to come there. Yeah, it's, it's all bad in Chicago. But moving on to the New Orleans Saints. And I, this is funny to me because it, you know, it was announced early on. Obviously, Jameis Winston's their starting quarterback. But now that Sean Payton is no longer head coach of the New Orleans Saints, the, the Taysom Hill as a quarterback experiment is over. Like they, they announced it early too. Like, no, he's moving to tight end. We're not, we're not playing this game with him anymore. He is not a quarterback. That is not how we are going to use him. And then Taysom Hill spoke with the media this week and was asked about the, the position change and, you know, gave your kind of stereotypical answer, you know, I'm willing to do whatever the team needs me to do to win, you know, and, and if that's being flexible, moving around the field and being in different roles, like I'm willing to do that. But, you know, as far as being a tight end goes, it's not really the role that I that I would choose for myself. Like Taysom Hill, despite the fact that he's been committing highway robbery with the New Orleans Saints over the last couple of years because Sean Payton just loved him for some reason, is now angry, it sounds like, that they were just like, no, dude, we're not playing this game anymore. You're not a quarterback. Sean Payton's not here. You're moving to tight end. If you want to play football on this roster, that's where we're going to put you. And Taysom Hill doesn't sound very happy about it. Like, does he think he's owed a shot at quarterback? How many chances does he have? <laughs> that's like it. He's like, like he, the Matt Rule of quarterbacks. He's about like to he, turn 32. Like he was like, I was supposed to take this thing over after Drew Brees. Like, like he <sighs> believed that. I'm sure he were a big guy. Like it's Drew, then it's me, then it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, they signed Andy Dalton this this offseason to ensure that Taysom would have to play tight end. That he would never take a snap under center. Yeah, they were like, we don't have to split time anymore. Like, you're a tight end. Go work what do you tight think? end. Yeah, what do you think the Dalton signing was? Yeah, so I don't know. What a odd thing. Like, that's a very much like BYU Cougars avatar on Twitter statement that he made. Like, that's usually – it's those guys and, like, Brady Papinga being like, Taysom Hill's the exact same person as Lamar Jackson. He just hasn't gotten a shot. It's like, sit down, Brady. No. Sit down. No. I, if, yeah. If you believe that, I don't think you've seen Taysom Hill throw a football because I have. It's not the same thing. Yeah, I think that time, Pat, I mean, the time to make that move full-time to quarterback would have been two or three years ago, man. Like It, if they it have, would have been while Breeze was still on the roster. If they have any semblance of a quarterback who's competent last year, not named Taysom Hill, they make the playoffs. Like he's Also, the way, the, the way his contract is structured – it incentivizes them not to play him at quarterback. Right. Like he gets paid way more if he's a quarterback. So he, of course they're going to try to avoid that. I'm sure he read all that part of the contract. Yeah. That's what he's unhappy about. He's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a quarterback still. And just like, no, no one believes that. Maybe Sean Payton still believes that wherever he's at right now, but nobody else believes that. Taysom. 2023 Cowboys backup quarterback, Taysom Hill. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> is him and Dak running the option? If Sean Payton hey. takes Dak off the field for a taste of field, <laughs> oh, Lined up wide? Man. That's going to happen, <laughs> right? The Saints are, the Saints are going to release him as soon as they can, and wherever Sean Payton goes next year, Taysom Hill's going to follow. Yeah, that is so depressing for Dak. <laughs> <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, new head coach, new regime, Urban Meyer debacle behind them. It sounds like Trevor Lawrence has actually been looking very good in Jaguars training camp. And I'm actually, I'm excited to see if Trevor Lawrence will take a step this season. Obviously he had a lot of things keeping him from being successful as a rookie, but I, I do think that Doug Peterson's just going to make his life easier. And while I think they spent poorly in free agency, they did at least try to add more talent to the roster. So training camp reports have been pretty glowing about Trevor Lawrence so far. I think that, so we spent a lot, not us specifically, but there was a lot of time spent about the deal that Christian Kurt got. I think that he's actually a really good fit for what they want to do or for what Trevor Lawrence excels at. Like just a slot guy who runs fades, a slot guy who runs to the corner, um, a slot guy who just runs those timing routes. And uh, if Lawrence can throw those on time and in rhythm, like Kirk's going to be an asset for him. And obviously that doesn't mean he's going to have like this Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase type of season, but um he can't be worse than what they had last year. 
And I know that there's a lot of projection. I know they gave him a lot of money, but I can see Kirk helping them a lot more than people just initially thought. And it, it does matter that Lawrence is a guy who can, you know, rise the talent around him above. But it, I, they're not going to be a good team, but I feel like that connection right there is, is a good start. Something to work with anyway. I was talking with uh, KP and I's buddy, John Shipley, who covers the Jaguars down there uh, for Sports Illustrated this past week. And the way he made it sound is like, take the passing like yards over in Jacksonville. Um, touchdowns under. Apparently, they're just like running James Robinson every single time they get like near near the goal line. And the, the team in general isn't great, but he's like Trevor Lawrence. Like he's actually looking pretty good. I think they can move the ball between the 20s. It's, it's going to be everything else that's going to be the issue there. And it's it's not just the play calling and, and what a disaster that was last season. It's just I mean, everything well, that wasn't yeah. a normal year for Jacksonville. They were dealing with like post Thursday night football, like controversies with where their coach was like that yeah. doesn't happen with normal functioning regimes. And it's and, and while I don't think they've got like a super talented roster, they are better. Like they have more talent this year than they did last year because his, his pass catchers last season just were not very good. Uh, and not to discredit anything that those guys did that last season, they just were not a very good group of wide receivers. So all of that stuff's going to help Trevor Lawrence. So excited to see what he looks like this season. The Baltimore Ravens did activate running back J.K. Dobbins off the pup. This is a move that I, I'm really excited about. I think that Dobbins is a really talented player, and, and I want to see what he looks like as the full-time running back in this Ravens offense. So I, I think them just getting him back on the field, and you know, we've talked a ton about the Ravens on this podcast. I think we're all really high on them, just being healthy and, and Lamar being who he is. I, I think that this is a, a, a big deal for them, getting Dobbins back and healthy and him seemingly being ready to go week one. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. He was um, – well, we know that they're going to run the ball a ton. And having a capable running back like Dobbins, who's not only um, good just getting north and south, but has that next has that explosive gear. And when you have that type of breakaway speed with Lamar Jackson, like it's just going to make offense a lot easier. So hopefully he's fully healthy. Hopefully he's going to stay healthy and be able to sustain uh, the type of success that we saw um, when, he, when he was on the field. But – um, when you add a player of the caliber of Dobbins, it's only going to make your offense that more of a th- that much more of a threat. Yeah, I think they missed, missed that speed out of the backfield big time last year, right? Like when when you started seeing Baltimore kind of come crashing down back down to earth after midseason, um, I, th- I think Dobbins would have gone a long way for them, especially with what their receivers look like, with you know how how bad they were on the edges um, in terms of like their cornerback play and stuff like that defensively. I think Dobbins coming back is, is a big win for them. Also, speaking of wins, who won the uh, Dobbins Rappaport debate? Right. I was gonna say I was gonna ask the same thing. <laughs> Rappaport Rappaport said that that Dobbins, you know, he's gonna start on pup. He might not play week one. Dobbins said that he might not even start on pup. It's what twelve practices into into training camp, and he finally coming off pup. Both were both were kind of right. Um, in terms of at least Rappaport got that he was going to start on PUP. Dobbins got that he's going to be ready for week one. Who who wins? Is this a draw? What decision? When in doubt, go with the player. Yeah. All right. I think as long That's as fair. he's ready for week one, he wins. Um, okay. So really excited to see J.K. Dobbins. I, I just I, I think he could be a really, really good player. And we, we haven't gotten to see him fully deployed as their number one running back uh, because of the injury that he suffered early last season. So really excited to see him take the field for the Ravens. Uh, last thing, New York Jets offensive tackle Makai Becton suffered an avulsion fracture of the right kneecap in practice. Uh, he is expected to be done for the season. Just a huge blow for a guy that we, I feel like we've talked about him actually quite a bit on this podcast who – as a rookie showed real promise as uh, a tackle in the NFL then missed almost the entirety of last season with an injury and was looking to really bounce back and kind of solidify himself for the New York jets this season. And then to suffer this injury, it, it just really sucks for a young player. Yeah. I mean, his talent is through the roof and you're, they're having to go from him to now Max Mitchell, you know, a fourth round rookie seems like uh Chuma Doga is, is going to be out. Um, in terms of the race for that that right tackle spot. And then 
they already, you know, before the injury, they were already working out guys like Dwayne Brown to get them looks at left tackle for, for George Fant. So this went from a team that like you kind of thought that their strength was like the offensive line and they're taking all the right steps forward, right? Like un- unlike the Bears, right? We, we could see kind of like what the Jets are trying to like build moving forward. Um, but now you're kind of worried about their both tackle situations and maybe they're a little bit weak there. And, you know, I mean, the Bills just added Vaughn Miller. Like that's your top competition in your own division. So it's not, that's never a good sign. I, I think this is a huge bummer because I mean, what he's going to get like one real chance at, at tackle in his, his uh, rookie contract where he's not just like dealing with any sort of injury like that. That sucks. I mean, this guy was supposed to be a game changing tackle, but he's had, he's been on the training bench instead of being able to shed off weight. So, right. I, I I do think their rookie will be able to hold his own. Um, I, I just feel like the way that he played in college, speaking of Max Mitchell, I think he's going to be a serviceable, competent tackle, even as a rookie. So I know the they seem excited about him. They, they were like, we didn't know what we had in him, but we're ready for him to step up. No, he's a good, he's a good player. And I think that his athleticism and just being able to get to his spots and pass protection will allow them um, to, I don't want to say he's going to be an upgrade over Beckton, obviously because of, Beckton's physical talent, but I think they're they'll be fine. They'll be okay um, with Mitchell there. The reporting on the Beckton injury was weird too, because it was like all the reporters seemed very like the, the the injury seemed serious, right? The injury seemed serious when it happened. Then the initial reporting was, yeah, he's actually fine, and then it came back, no, his kneecap is broken and and he's out for the year. It was, it was very weird. Yeah, that sounds absolutely awful. I can't imagine how much that hurts. Just so bad. So break, bad. And the th- break a kneecap. Oh my gosh. The thing with knees too, is it like the reason why knees take forever to heal is because like, there's very little blood flow that goes to them. Right. Yeah. So like, I'm sure none of that can, is going to be easy. Like, I don't know if that's something that you have to deal with, like microfracture surgery, like after like complications with that, if it doesn't end up healing right and your body doesn't end up taking to the healing process and stuff like that. But, that stuff can get really nasty. Like, remember Clowney? Clowney never looked yeah. right in the NFL because he had microfracture surgery. You, and it was basically, he had knee surgery. His knee just basically didn't take the healing. And then they have to go in there and just grind up the bone so that your body recognizes this is hurt. I need to heal it. And it de- you then have to deal with, you know, the, the leftover remnants of microfracture surgery the rest of your career. Like, that sucks, man. Yeah, so you know, w- w- wishing Mackay Becton a-, a speedy recovery and hope that he can bounce back next season. You-, you hate to see something like that. The the Jets are one of the youngest teams in the NFL, so that they they've still got a lot of young talent on that team, and and they're looking to turn things around a little bit this season. But thank you guys for listening to this edition of NFL University. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J U M O S Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore Show. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we are doing on the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We will talk to you guys next week.